0: Peter Pan, 1953. Based on the 1904 play, Peter Pan states in its opening lines that this story, quote, has happened before, as the myth of Peter Pan is one that repeats for generations, and much like Alice in Wonderland, the film centers a young woman getting the fairy tale adventure she wished for and exiting it wanting to grow up. While the themes of Alice paint with a broad brush and lean on the absurdity of the source material, this film struggles with Wendy's coming of age as her self-image is pitted against other women, and the narrative forces an obligatory motherhood through her interactions with her siblings, the Lost Boys, and Pan himself. The third feature of the 50s is again directed by Geronimo Jackson and Lusk, further developing their whimsical style. While the visuals of Alice pose their own challenges, Peter Pan depicts many characters in flight, including Tinkerbell, who does so at a smaller scale and leaves fairy dust in her path. The film opens on two young boys playing pretend as Peter Pan and Captain Hook in battle, when their older sister Wendy corrects one on which hand Hook's hook is on, as the narrator states she is an expert on the stories despite her more mature demeanor. This opening is a fun sequence as the kids torment their father who is trying to prepare for a night out. Their mother is nonplussed, but Wendy is punished for encouraging the boys and told she must move into her own room at her age. This is as much a narrative catalyst for the story as the arrival of Peter Pan as the parents leave and the children sleep. Peter and Tinkerbell glide into the children's room looking for Peter's shadow, which wakes Wendy. She is terribly excited, shouting how she caught the shadow for him and helps sew it to his feet to his bewilderment. Tink is instantly jealous of how Peter appreciates Wendy, and she experiences self-shame as she gestures to her hips being too wide to fit through a keyhole she flies into. There are many moments in this film in which women are reckoning with their self-image through reflection or actions like this, and it often goes hand in hand with comparison or competition with others. The personality of these characters is winning in most cases, through visual design and charming facial animation and body language, but it can be frustrating when after being ingratiated to Tinkerbell, her entire arc of the film is reduced to jealousy. Wendy has a more substantial arc, but still deals with jealousy over where Pan puts his attention and ultimately triumphs this challenge by becoming a mother figure. The action of Peter chasing his shadow wakes Wendy's brothers, John and Michael, and Peter excitedly invites them to fly with him to Neverland, which they cannot refuse. Tinkerbell resists giving them pixie dust to grant them flight, but Peter does not give her a choice in the matter and the group flies off into the night singing. Wendy marvels at her own flight as she skims reflective water and Tinkerbell speeds through to disrupt the image. The film then cuts to Captain Hook, who, with his right-hand man Smee, is characterized as bumbling rather than menacing through slapstick comedy, in contrast to the grim capabilities their crew display, implying they could have succeeded in catching or defeating Peter Pan numerous times were it not for their lack of competent leadership. Hook discusses his need to catch Pan, and his plans include kidnapping the daughter of the island native's chief, Tiger Lily, referring to the group with a Native American slur. Pan takes the London children to meet the Lost Boys, and John and Michael join them in a, quote, game in which they try to capture the native characters. They fail terribly, but this time, instead of letting them go per the game's usual rules, the natives are going to, quote, burn them, because they believe the Lost Boys captured Tiger Lily. Later in the film, Peter Pan is drawn to Hook's usage of Tiger Lily as bait, but he handedly tricks me and Hook by mimicking voices in the cave and saves her, returning to their camp as a hero. The depiction of these native people as stereotypes casts an unfortunate shadow over this movie, making many plot beats and sequences incredibly difficult to enjoy whatsoever. These characters are written and animated purely as parody of Native Americans, not a first for the studio, and the song, What Made the Red Man Red, is possibly the best example of the phrase, surface of the phenomenon. The character's skin color is treated as something that does not intrinsically need respect, and or does not exist in any real context that others them or marginalizes them, and the characters are seen using fake, jokey sign language. As a result of this lack of consideration, the punchline of this song is that the nominal, quote, red man, is blushing when he is kissed. While the natives are an element from the play the studio is adapting, it could have easily been cut from the screenplay and the inclusion is in a manner that mines racist depictions and harmful language for comedy. Throughout that musical sequence, Peter is also receiving affection and attention from Tiger Lily that makes Wendy jealous, and her mood is made worse by the fact that she is the one kid not allowed to play and dance, treated differently for being a young woman. The recurrence of Wendy's jealousy and competition with other women is a strange plot thread that does not truly connect to her coming-of-age moment the film ends with in a meaningful way. Peter also takes her to Mermaid Lagoon at one point, where she is teased by mermaids who also vie for his affection. They, too, are using the reflective surface of water to maintain their appearance before trying to drag her into it. The lesson that is finally taken from Wendy's experiences is that she wants to be a motherly figure, even to Peter. As the night winds down, she is the one who wrangles her brothers and the lost boys by singing to them. And when she returns to London, she exclaims she does want to move into her own room and grow up, happy to move beyond the childlike chaos that has aggravated her the whole film. This arc being connected intrinsically to other women who act, in the film's eyes, childishly, is bizarre and leaves the resolution dissatisfying. To compare Wendy's arc to the motherly actions of Snow White, Wendy is driven primarily by external forces that are overwritten, whereas Snow White's actions never feel forced upon her in the film, nor obligatory or requested. Snow White is excited at the prospect of helping those in need, feeling bad the dwarfs do not have a mother, where Wendy is visibly aggravated and challenged by the film and feels she must mother them to solve a problem, thus pushing her to, and the film's eyes, grow up. The arc then rings hollow, especially when she returns to London swooning over Peter alongside her new outlook on growing up. The final section of the movie is simple. Hook learns Tinkerbell feels slighted by Payne's attention for Wendy and tricks her into revealing the location of the hideout. He kidnaps the lost boys and the London children, leaving Peter with a bomb that Tinkerbell rushes to save him from in an unearned act of near-fatal sacrifice. She is saved from the Rebel and the two fly off to face Hook, Peter besting him handedly and sending him to run from his crocodile nemesis once more. The action is well done and exciting, yet again showcasing the control the studio was able to exercise on characters' flight and mid movement. And the art design and color palette are at their absolute best when Pan and Hook are clashing on the pirate ship. The visual accomplishments of Peter Pan are greatly obscured by the racist depictions of Native Americans and Wendy's poorly crafted character arc. While the colors of the movie are vibrant and the non-offensive designs are incredibly charming in motion, these are aspects the studio continues to improve upon through the 50s to much greater heights, leaving Pan as one of the weaker entries of the decade, even if it is not all bad. Next up, Lady and the Tramp, 1955. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays. You can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload, and there you will find in-text citations and works cited and share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at GhostofJoe, Ghost of J O. The music used in this audio version is from the Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading.